March the 31st had long been the initial deadline, but those negotiating the way through the cliffhanger crisis that had enveloped Iran's nuclear development seemed to have missed it. Then, on Thursday, April the 2nd, as U.S. President Barack Obama addressed the American people from the Garden of the White House, he quickly stressed the vital importance of the deal that had been attained along with a crucial caveat. Good afternoon, everybody. Today, the United States, together with our allies and partners, has reached a historic understanding with Iran, which, if fully implemented, will prevent it from obtaining a nuclear weapon. As President and Commander-in-Chief, I have no greater responsibility than the security of the American people. And I am convinced that if this framework leads to a final comprehensive deal, it will make our country, our allies, and our world safer. This has been a long time coming. The Islamic Republic of Iran has been advancing its nuclear program for decades. By the time I took office, Iran was operating thousands of centrifuges, which can produce the materials for a nuclear bomb. And Iran was concealing a covert nuclear facility. Note those words, if fully implemented. This is the crucial caveat. In prolonged negotiations dating back to 2006 and 2013, the five major powers on the United Nations Security Council plus Germany initially tried to limit the proliferation of nuclear weapons through diplomacy. But initially, they failed. I made clear that we were prepared to resolve this issue diplomatically, but only if Iran came to the table in a serious way. When that did not happen, we rallied the world to impose the toughest sanctions in history, sanctions which had a profound impact on the Iranian economy. Now, sanctions alone could not stop Iran's nuclear program, but they did help bring Iran to the negotiating table. Because of our diplomatic efforts, the world stood with us, and we were joined at the negotiating table by the world's major powers, the United Kingdom, France, Germany, Russia, and China, as well as the European Union. Over a year ago, we took the first step towards today's framework, with a deal to stop the progress of uh, Iran's nuclear program and roll it back in key areas. And recall that at the time, skeptics argued that Iran would cheat and that we could not verify their compliance and the interim agreement would fail. Instead, it has succeeded exactly as intended. Iran has met all of its obligations. It eliminated its stockpile of dangerous nuclear material. Inspections of Iran's program increased And we continued negotiations to see if we could achieve a more comprehensive deal. It has been that more comprehensive deals, which had been the subject of the prolonged negotiations in Lausanne, Switzerland, in the six days preceding Obama's speech, with one hectic overnight session leading to an agreed broad framework for further negotiations with Iran. This framework would cut off every pathway that Iran could take to develop a nuclear weapon. Iran will face strict limitations on its program, and Iran has also agreed to the most robust and intrusive inspections and transparency regime 
ever negotiated for any nuclear program in history. So this deal is not based on trust. It's based on unprecedented verification. Many key details will be finalized over the next three months, and nothing is agreed to until everything is agreed. But here are the basic outlines of the deal that we are working to finalize. While Obama has been speaking, something very unusual has been going on. His speech has been broadcast live to the Iranian people. In other words, the Islamic Republic of Iran's news network, whose political and international coverage is strictly controlled by government authorities, took the unusual step of showing Obama's speech live, and according to news agency reports. Completely uncensored. Evidently, some Iranians responded by taking selfie pictures of themselves against the unusual background of Obama speaking over Iranian TV. One can only wonder what were their reactions as Obama spelled out some aspects of the final agreement, which will have to be attained in the continuing negotiations, which are due to be completed by June the thirtieth. First. Iran will not be able to pursue a bomb using plutonium because it will not develop weapons-grade plutonium. The core of its reactor at Iraq will be dismantled and replaced. The spent fuel from that facility will be shipped out of Iran for the life of the reactor. Iran will not build a new heavy water reactor, and Iran will not reprocess fuel from its existing reactors, ever. Second, this deal shuts down Iran's path to a bomb using enriched uranium. Iran has agreed that its installed centrifuges will be reduced by two thirds. Iran will no longer enrich uranium at its Fordo facility. Iran will not enrich uranium with its advanced centrifuges for at least the next ten years. The vast majority of Iran's stockpile of enriched uranium will be neutralized. Today, estimates indicate that Iran is only two or three months away from potentially acquiring the raw materials that could be used for a single nuclear bomb. Under this deal, Iran has agreed that it will not stockpile the materials needed to build a weapon, even if it violated the deal. For the next decade, at least, Iran would be a minimum of a year away from acquiring enough material for a bomb, and the strict limitations on Iran's stockpile. Will last for 15 years. Third, this deal provides the best possible defense against Iran's ability to pursue a nuclear weapon covertly, that is, in secret. International inspectors will have unprecedented access not only to Iranian nuclear facilities, but to the entire supply chain that supports Iran's nuclear program, from uranium mills that provide the raw materials. To the centrifuge production and storage facilities that support the program. If Iran cheats, the world will know it. If we see something suspicious, we will inspect it. Iran's past efforts to weaponize its program will be addressed. Obama emphasizes that while there will be relief from some sanctions, there are some American sanctions that will stay in place until there are more political changes in Iran. In return for Iran's actions, the international community has agreed to provide Iran with relief from certain sanctions, our own sanctions and international sanctions imposed by the United Nations Security Council. 
This relief will be phased as Iran takes steps to adhere to the deal. If Iran violates the deal, sanctions can be snapped back into place. Meanwhile, other American sanctions on Iran for its support of terrorism, its human rights abuses, its ballistic missile program, will continue to be fully enforced. The president then turns to arguing why pursuing an agreed international deal is clearly the very best option. For the fact is, we only have three options for addressing Iran's nuclear program. First, we can reach a robust and verifiable deal, like this one, and peacefully prevent Iran from obtaining a nuclear weapon. The second option is we can bomb Iran's nuclear facilities, thereby starting another war in the Middle East and setting back Iran's program by a few years. In other words, setting it back by a fraction of the time that this deal will set it back. Meanwhile, we'd ensure that Iran would race ahead to try and build a bomb. Third, we could pull out of negotiations, try to get other countries to go along and continue sanctions that are currently in place or add additional ones and hope for the best. Knowing that every time we have done so, Iran has not capitulated but instead has advanced its program. And that in very short order, the breakout timeline would be eliminated. And a nuclear arms race in the region could be triggered because of that uncertainty. In other words, the third option leads us very quickly back to a decision about whether or not to take military action, because we'd have no idea what was going on inside of Iran. Iran is not going to simply dismantle its program because we demand it to do so. Obama makes it clear that he disdains the arguments of the Israeli or Republican critics. So when you hear the inevitable critics of the deal sound off, ask them a simple question. Do you really think that this verifiable deal, if fully implemented, backed by the world's major powers, is a worse option than the risk of another war in the Middle East? Is it worse than doing what we've done for almost two decades with Iran moving forward with its nuclear program and without robust inspections? I think the answer will be clear. Remember, I have always insisted that I will do what is necessary to prevent Iran from acquiring a nuclear weapon, and I will. But I also know that a diplomatic solution is the best way to get this done and offers a more comprehensive and lasting solution. It is our best option by far. And while it is always a possibility that Iran may try to cheat on the deal in the future, this framework of inspections and transparency makes it far more likely that we'll know about it if they try to cheat. And I or future presidents will have preserved all of the options that are currently available to deal with. But Obama also worries about his Arab critics as well as the Israeli ones and indicates a new initiative to reassure them. That's why I've directed my national security team to consult closely with the new Israeli government in the coming weeks and months about how we can further strengthen our long-term security cooperation with Israel and make clear our unshakable commitment to Israel's defense. Today, I also spoke with the King of Saudi Arabia to reaffirm our commitment to the security of our partners in the Gulf. And I'm inviting the leaders of the six countries who make up the Gulf Cooperation Council, Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, Kuwait, Oman, Qatar, 
and Bahrain to meet me at Camp David this spring to discuss how we can further strengthen our security cooperation while resolving the multiple conflicts that have caused so much hardship and instability throughout the Middle East. Obama ends on a powerful note as he invokes memories of Presidents John F. Kennedy, Richard Nixon and Ronald Reagan in support of the cause with Iran on which he is embarked. If Congress kills this deal not based on expert analysis and without offering any reasonable alternative, then it's the United States that will be blamed for the failure of diplomacy. International unity will collapse and the path to conflict will widen. The American people understand this, which is why solid majorities support a diplomatic resolution to the Iranian nuclear issue. They understand instinctively the words of President Kennedy, who faced down the far greater threat of communism and said, let us never negotiate out of fear, but let us never fear to negotiate. The American people remember that at the height of the Cold War, presidents like Nixon and Reagan struck historic arms control agreements with the Soviet Union, a far more dangerous adversary. Despite the fact that that adversary not only threatened to destroy our country and our way of life, but had the means to do so. Those agreements were not perfect. They did not end all threats. But they made our world safer. A good deal with Iran will do the same. Today, I'd like to express my thanks to our international partners for their steadfastness, their cooperation. So, given Obama's patience, persistence, and eloquence, will everything move smoothly between now and June the 30th? Given the Republicans and Netanyahu's preference for obstruction as well as opposition, the chances would seem to favor another cliffhanger crisis around June the 30th, just like the one last week that ended just in time.